This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. All right, good morning. It's good to see you here at Christian Chapel. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here, and you are joining us on a special Sunday about Four, three, four, five times a year, we have a missionary guest speaker at Christian Chapel, and this morning is one of those days. You might have seen on every third seat or so when you came in this morning these Kingdom Builders cards. If you're unfamiliar with Kingdom Builders, Kingdom Builders is the primary way that Christian Chapel funds missions, uh, both globally and locally around the world. We make every January, we make commitments to do whatever God is asking us to do, over and above giving to be part of spreading the gospel all around the world. And so this year in 2019, our goal is to give away $350,000 to missions. That includes supporting over 50 missionaries and ministries working around the world. It includes Royal Family Kids Camp, Crisis Pregnancy Outreach, Connected Kids, Crossover Community Impact, um, Teen Challenge, so many others working here in our community, and also includes Next Generation Investments, sending kids to camp on missions trips, all other sorts of things along those lines as well. So if you have not been able to join us in that, this morning uh, we'll receive an offering for our missionary at the end of the service. And if you would like to make a Kingdom Builders commitment on the back of that card, you can fill that out and drop it in the offering when it comes by. That is is not a way for us to um, turn you over to a bill collector in December. It's simply a way for us to budget and to know we've got a, several big missions projects that we are hoping to fulfill in December, and your commitment helps us know uh, when and how much we can give to each one of those projects. So thank you for doing that with us. Another function of the missions program at Christian Chapel is our missionary and residence program. Um, In the Assemblies of God, our missionaries typically serve for three or four-year terms in their field of service, and then they return home to spend about a year traveling around, connecting with the churches that support them, and uh, just really raising their funds for the next season of ministry that God is calling them into. Many years ago, Christian Chapel built the house that you'll see when you drive out of the parking lot this morning directly across the street, and we're able to provide that free of charge to our missionaries when they're home. Our current missionary in residence family is Darren and Diana Clements. They have spent years serving in Cambodia. And during this term, they are transitioning to a new assignment um, that I'll let Darren tell you a little bit more about later. But the missionary in residence program is not only a blessing for our missionaries in that it provides them with a fully furnished home that they just basically slide in with their clothes and they're ready to go. But it also is a tremendous blessing to our church because it creates a close family connection for us with some of the missionaries that we support. And if you've been around very long, you've seen the way that our church benefits from those ongoing relationships. So Darren's going to come in just a moment and share with us a little bit about uh, just the the mission's call, our responsibility, excuse me, to take the gospel to people who've never heard it. And then we'll have an opportunity to partner with him at the end of service this morning. But before he comes, he's got a a quick video that'll kind of introduce the work that they're involved in. There is a sound. Can you hear it? It searches, searches for those that will listen. Drifting, distant, desperate. It whispers in the ears of those that believe. It shouts in the streets, straining to be heard through the overwhelming noise. Can you hear us? The collective cry of fallen humanity devoid of a savior. Centuries have passed without hope. We live here, hidden in the far away places. 
our lands strange, our culture a mystery, our hearts empty, our people cling to anything that resembles truth, but what we seek remains out of reach, our brutal spirits on the edge of breaking, our prayers unanswered, our gods stay silent. We are the never reached. We are still waiting. We hear a sound. It echoes in our ears. It wakes us in our sleep. A voice in the wilderness. A message 2,000 years old. A final command. Go. A simple but profound directive from a saving God. With our victory assured, we journey to the ends of the earth. We climb mountains, trekked through jungles, landed on forgotten islands, searching. Many have received, but far too many still remain. Too many haven't heard. Too many don't know. This unfinished task is our urgent kingdom mission. Chosen. Seen. Heard. Called. Can you hear them? Nations. Cities. Tribes. People. They are the never reached. They've waited long enough. There is a sound. Can you hear it? morning. It's good to be with you all this morning. And again, thank you for uh, making us your missionaries and residents, making us a part of your missionary family. Uh, living in that house across the street for the second time uh, has been really a, a great blessing to our family. Uh, Diane and I have been married for 26 years, and I think we've moved 19 times. So uh, this is one of those very few times where we lived in the same place twice, uh, it was very. It was great to us coming off of the field, knowing that that house was waiting, that a church family was waiting, and it was there for our kids as well. So, uh, it's great to be able to share our burden and our ministry with you this morning, and to look at some uh, things in the scripture as well. I wanted to start with that video because it gives you really uh, a taste of the task that we have before us in Asia Pacific. 834 million people in our region. China, we treat as a separate region. There's over a billion people in China. But 834 million in Asia Pacific, 38 countries and territories, about 5% of the people of Asia Pacific are believers in Jesus Christ. So the task ahead of us is tremendous. We're talking now amongst ourselves within Asia Pacific about the never reached. These are people groups that in their history have never had a community of believers that they could know, that they could hear the gospel from. There are 1,115 people groups in Asia Pacific that have never had that opportunity. The task in front of us is great. In fact, if we just look at it in those terms, it's overwhelming. 
But this morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, and I want to share with you testimonies from the field and point to this, that it is the Holy Spirit who is at work across our region. And these people will not be reached by white missionaries from America alone, but God is raising up his church, and we need to take our place in the work that he is doing. Will you turn with me or uh, to Acts chapter 19? This is one of the most exciting chapters for me in the book of Acts. Uh, it's a great story of Paul's ministry in Ephesus during his third missionary journey. It's an exciting story. I won't be able to look at the whole chapter with you this morning, just some highlights But uh, I think it answers this question of how do we bring the good news of Jesus to people who have never had that opportunity before in their history. This is Paul's third missionary journey. In his second journey, he had passed through the city of Ephesus. It was the main city in the Roman province of Asia, which is in western Turkey. And his heart was really stirred within him to get back there. So in his third missionary journey, he makes it there. And when he arrives at Ephesus, he meets a group of 12 men who have heard the message of John the Baptist. They believed in Jesus, but there's something that is still lacking. Paul teaches them a little bit more, and then they are baptized in water. He lays his hands on them, and they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 19, verse 8. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Now, Paul had a strategy wherever he went, and and he doesn't have it all planned out, but he begins in the synagogue. Paul was a Pharisee. He could do that. They would accept him. But then he had to follow the strategy of the Holy Spirit as he went. So here in Ephesus, he begins in the synagogue until he has to leave the synagogue. Now, I want you to see what it says in verse 10. He continued in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. When I read that statement, I'm just really stunned. All the residents in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. How can that be? Paul could not possibly go everywhere in the province of Asia. He didn't go everywhere, but the gospel did go everywhere. How did that happen? The answer is in Paul's letter back to the church in Ephesus some years later. He wrote, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is what Paul was doing all along the way, equipping God's people for works of service. Everyone who is a believer, everyone in the body of Christ, fulfilling their part, their ministry that God has for them to do. So as the story unfolds, Paul has to move on, but the church thrives, and there are those who can take over those responsibilities. For us, if we're going to reach the never-reached, 
of Asia Pacific or anywhere in the world, it means a couple of things. We need to be producing tools for the harvest, and we need to be equipping men and women for the work of the kingdom of God. Uh, Over this last term, we were able to see the completion of this translation project that had been in our hearts for many, many years. It's the Christian Life Series of Global University. This is in use in over 100 countries around the world. That's all the books out on the table at one time there in the picture. 18 books. That's about 2,000-page translation project. And the Lord made it possible for us this last term. It took three and a half years to get this done, get it out there available to the churches. And as we came to the end of our term, we saw the last books come out of the, out of the copy shops, and I think they look great. Uh, several of the books have pictures from our churches. A lot of them I got from Facebook. I talked to Pastor, can I use your picture on our book? And he said, yeah, that's great. Uh, and now they're out in the churches. They're, they're actually now coming available online. Global University is putting them on their website along with other languages that are available. So anyone can use them free of charge. Uh, we got to create tools that the church can use as they bring the gospel to those who have never heard. But tools are only as good as the hands that use them. So equipping men and women for ministry is so, so important. And this is where our heart beats. 22 years in Cambodia, uh, all of that was focused on equipping men and women for ministry, particularly in the Bible school, which is where we served for 17 years. I want to tell you a little bit about this guy. We're awful proud of him. This is Kim Han. Uh, in 2000-2001, we served in Sienotville Children's Home, and Kim Han and his wife, Tierra, were a couple of the kids there in the orphanage at that time. And we just watched them grow up, and, and uh, here in these last few years, we became so much more a part of their lives as he answered God's call into the ministry, became the youth pastor of one of our flagship churches in Phnom Penh, and uh, uh, Diana particularly is, is proud of him. She calls Kim Han one of her sons in the ministry because she's been a mentor to him and worked with him on so many different things. But when they come into the Bible school, it's always about head, heart, and hands. Uh, Bible school is not just about its knowledge. We've got to have knowledge of the Word, but we've also have to ha- we also have to have a transformed heart, and we have to have hands that are skillful to serve, that are ready to serve. This is all about equipping God's people for ministry. Uh, Bible school, I love it. I, I love teaching. That's that's our fit in the body of Christ. But we always recognize that the classroom belongs to the Holy Spirit. And there's a curriculum that the Holy Spirit has for the students that is beyond what we put into lessons and tests and so on. And uh, Kim Han had some particular experiences. Uh, he's from a, a great church with a great youth pastor, and, and he's he's respected leader. But a few years ago, we went on practicum. We always take the second-year students on a practicum. And our dean of students, Pastor Ate, sharp guy, he took the students from the city and put them in the village And he took the students from the village and put them in the town to help with ministries in those places that were out of their comfort zone. So here, this this, uh, successful, respected youth pastor suddenly finds himself, well, the picture on the right where he's pouring water over the, the kid's head, he's helping with lice treatments. And that's part of village ministry. They do hygiene, all kinds of stuff like that. So these students from the city, they, they, they're, they're ready to do children's ministry. And today we're going to do lice treatments for about an hour. And I'm telling you, our, our students from the city looked at that and said, I'm not sure. <laughs> we went out to a little group of houses one day. And uh, the students had prepared a children's program. When we got there, there's no kids. Everybody was off doing other things. But the grannies were left behind. 
So Pastor Ate gathers the grannies around. They keep an eye on the house during the day, and they put out some mats, and the grannies, six or eight of them, sit around there. Uh, a couple of them were connected to the church. Some of them knew nothing about Jesus at all. And uh, so they had a little program for the grannies. Pastor Ate played a couple songs on his guitar that had clapping and hand motion, and Cambodian grannies are very vigorous. They love that, and they're laughing like little schoolgirls and having a great time. And then Pastor Ate turned to Kim Han and said, you share something with him from the Bible. And this successful, respected youth leader froze. <laughs> the following week when he gave his testimony about what God had done in his heart and the practicum, he said, I was scared of those grannies. <laughs> he had no idea what to do. And he fell on his face. He tried, but it didn't go very well. Pastor Ate afterwards met with him and said, well, here's what you do, and, and then tomorrow you're going to do it again. Because in rural ministry, you got to be ready to do things just like that with one minute to prepare, get a, you know, like this. And Kim Han said, through that experience, the Lord taught me to try new things and to be ready to trust him to try new things. And what I was hearing, what we're hearing is God equipping his people to serve him in all kinds of situations, the skills that he would need for the call that God had placed upon his life. Now, let's continue in our story here in Acts chapter 19. Uh, the next several verses are a really exciting story and, and, as a preacher, a very tempting story. But Paul begins to do, uh, excuse me, God does extraordinary miracles through the Apostle Paul so that his handkerchiefs and aprons are taken away and, and they pray for the sick and demons, God casts out demons and it's connected to these and it's just this fantastic story. But there are these seven Jewish exorcists, maybe fake exorcists, the sons of Sceva, that try to cast out demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, that they don't actually know Jesus, but they try to use Jesus' name. And in verse 16 it says, And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastering all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon all of them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. So the real miracles were shown to be even more powerful and real by this, this fake as the, as the real demon showed itself. And the gospel became even more known in the city of Ephesus in the province of Asia. But look at what happened next in the next few verses. What happens here is something in the hearts of the believers in Ephesus. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. 50,000 pieces of silver, a piece of silver was about a day's wage. The New Living Translation tries to give us an idea of it. It says $7 million. Whatever exact amount, it was a massive thing that happened there, and it impacted the city so much so that there's going to be a riot in the coming verses. But what I want us to notice here is that the believers brought their stuff to be burned. Archaeologists tell us the city of Exodus, uh, city of Ephesus was a place where they were fascinated by magic. These are people who were believers, who were in the church, but they were things that had not yet been dealt with in their lives. 
And here the Lord brings it up and he deals with it and the gospel goes forward even more powerfully. I've been following along in the podcasts and uh, pastor, I have to say I'm not impressed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's what, that's what pastor, this, this is what, along with what pastor Chris has been preaching about. Jesus, it's, not about, it's about God bringing those things that he wants to deal with so that we can serve him fully. And, and that's what's happening here. We talked about Bible school being head, heart, and hands. There's a curriculum that the Lord brings to the class that is to deal with the heart, the transformation that has to take place. Someone once said there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. It's when people see transformed lives that they see that the Gospel is real, that it is true, that it is powerful when we live it out in freedom. This picture is here on the slider. Uh, the students gathered around the bonfire. This is during Spiritual Life Week last year. Uh, Diana was in charge of this day, and she took some cues from this passage. In the morning, we had a, a guest speaker, missionary colleague from Thailand who had uh, been abused in the church, and then God had done a great work of healing in her life. She shared that and challenged our students to trust God to heal them as well. And they took strips of paper and made those chains. You remember in elementary school making those chains to decorate with? And they wrote on the pieces of paper the things that God needed to deal with in their lives, where they needed to forgive someone or they needed forgiveness or they need God to deal with certain things that they can't get victory over. They made chains from those and put them around their wrists and they hung down from their wrists for that day. And students were thinking at it, looking at it during the day, knowing God is working on my life here. And then that evening, after a short message, they gathered around the bonfire like you see here. And each one of the students comes up to the fire and they tear off those chains and throw them into the fire, thanking God by faith that he is working in their lives. I'm going to tell you, not a few tears. In fact, one of the ladies in the picture on the left there is one of our faculty members. It's not just for students. We need to be transformed. Those who have never been reached have never been reached for a reason, and they need to see that the gospel is powerful, that we truly do become new creations in Christ Jesus when he sets us free. It's what we were singing about this morning. That's how the never reached will be reached. One more text that I want us to look at in Acts chapter 20. Uh, in the rest of chapter 19, there's a riot. Paul has to leave town. And then in chapter 20, he passes back by Ephesus and meets with the elders. And here we read a few verses where he reflects back on his ministry during the three years that he was there. In verse 18, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, Paul suffered a lot. It costs something to take the gospel to those who have never been reached. We have to be willing to pay that price. Verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying to both Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What catches my attention in this verse is just something small here, where Paul mentioned teaching you in public and from house to house. One thing that we see in the story here at Ephesus is that Paul changes up what he's doing as he goes. He adapts. It's what I was calling earlier the strategy of the Holy Spirit. You know, could Paul could plant a church in Ephesus and he could just stay there and serve, but but the Lord has other plans for Paul. He realizes when he needs 
to move on. When it's time to hand the baton off to those that God has called to stay there long term because God has other work for the apostle to do. For us, uh, this last term uh, ended with a season of handing off of the baton to those who would follow us in ministry. Uh, As we came to the end of our term, we celebrated CBI's 25th anniversary. And with that celebration, we were also there to install CBI's very first Cambodian director. Uh, Pastor Soti was our student. And then the Lord raised him up. He became our colleague. We worked with him in many uh, different projects, committees. Diana worked with his wife in women's ministries, things. Uh, If you go to the next slide for me, please. And then... um, and then uh, he became our successor in the ministry at CBI. Now, I have to tell you that a year ago, uh, we weren't quite sure who would follow me as the director of the school. But God was already at work. There were things that we, we can't always know everything that God is doing. And it was our Cambodian colleagues on the board of, of the school that said, as long as we are waiting for missionaries to take over the leadership of the Bible school, they said, we're going to have to do this again every few years because missionaries have their home, they have other things that are pulling on them. And they said, maybe it's time for one of us to take over the leadership of the school. So it was our joy during the last few months to prepare the way for Pastor Soti to take off. And now we're watching on Facebook to see what God is doing through the school. And we're excited for that. We have to follow the leading and the strategy of the Holy Spirit because he sees the whole picture. He sees the whole picture. It's a big change for us. Cambodia, we were there, one country, one language. We could do projects like this. Uh, Going to the Philippines, we're going into a a regional role. Uh, APTS is a school with students from 30 different nations. Many of them come from countries that missionaries cannot enter. Uh, And foreigners, they're very suspicious of foreigners. Many of the students at APTS feel the call to be missionaries. And they are there preparing themselves to make a transition from their home country to the country God is calling them to serve. That's how the good news will go to 1,115 people groups in Asia. Missionaries from America, we have our part, but we work hand in hand, side by side with those that God is raising up from his church all across Asia Pacific. Uh, Just in the picture up there, that's Thailand, Vietnam, and Myanmar, and Cambodia. I'm representing Cambodia there in that picture. Let me just end with one story. One of the students at APTS, I'll call her uh, Miss B, uh, is from a country where the church is illegal. Uh, They are underground in this country, and uh, some very dramatic things happened last year. I was sitting around the table in the cafeteria at APTS and hearing her story with several others and seeing some of the video clips that she had. In In their particular province, the church was given some freedom. And so they actually purchased a building, and they were meeting publicly for worship. And then it, everything changed. Order came down from on high, and the police raided the church during Sunday service. She was preaching. Miss B was preaching, and, and uh, she showed us a video. They allowed them to videotape everything, to put it on social media. Uh, this is a country where social media is extremely tightly controlled so they allowed that to happen. And as she was preaching, the man was, the policeman was grabbing her microphone and, and pulling it out of her hand. And she was just letting go with everything that she had, getting in. This is, you know, this is, it's happening. It's happening. The thing that we've been expecting is happening. And the police came in 40 strong, 
and just tore the church apart, tore, tore everything off the walls, hauled out everything they could carry, piled it up in front of the church and hauled it away. And somebody said, Miss B, what did you do? She said, we stood on the street in front of our church building and sang praises to God. Someone said, Miss B, weren't you scared? Weren't you worried? And she said, we are brave. <laughs> she held her head up high and said, we are brave. Church building is gone, but the church is not gone. The pastor was detained for two weeks, but the church went on. Now they're running an underground Sunday school, even in defiance of the law that says you can't have Sunday school, specifically outlaws Sunday school in that country. God has called her, and she is paying the price. The people in her province, in her community, and now she's actually one of the teachers at APTS, encouraging her brothers and sisters from the same country who they need to hear from her and receive courage from her, and the gospel is going to those who have never heard it before. We need to get back there next year. In July, we plan to go and plan to take our place at APTS. We'll be a part of the faculty teaching there. And through APTS, we'll be able to be involved in Bible school uh, development around the region as well as children's ministry development. And we just, need to, we just need to get back there in the Lord's timing and serve as He has gifted us because He is raising up His church all over Asia Pacific to bring the good news of Jesus to those who have never heard it before. And we just want to thank you this morning. That's the main thing I want to get across. I've shared these testimonies. They are your testimonies as well. There's far more than we can put in newsletters, but heaven keeps the accounts. Amen? Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for praying for us and praying us through this season of transition that we are in. And thank you for letting us be one of your missionaries. It's wonderful to be back with you all again this year. Pastor Chris. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.